Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. I'm excited about getting into this episode. I'm going to show you in this episode that God is fully invested in you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he is fully invested in you. And if you do know Jesus Christ, he is super fully invested in you. Whoever you are, God is fully invested in you. The question is, are you fully invested in the God who is fully invested in you? If you're not, it has no effect on him being fully invested in you. It just means that you can't benefit from what he has invested in you. Let's first look at what he has invested in those who don't know his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to John chapter three, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, not the church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God invested his son so that the world, the whole world could be saved. His son is and was his most prized possession. He is fully invested. Some say, how can a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. He has given the whole world a chance to choose. God so respects the right of your free will that he gave you, that he forces nothing on you. The reason some will go to hell is because of the choice made by the original man. His choice doomed the whole world. And God let it happen because he did not create man to be a robot to do only what he wanted him to do. One man's choice doomed the whole world. Hell was not created for man. It was created for Satan, a fallen angel who rebelled against God. This fallen angel came to the original man and deceived him to rebel against God like he did. Man then took on the evil nature of Satan and in doing so doomed himself to the same hell that was meant for those with an evil nature. Look at the evil in the world today. Evil men with the same evil nature as Satan are running this world. Imagine a world with no evil people. That's what God's original intent was. Now, in spite of man's decision to rebel against God, God still invested and gave all men the opportunity to change their destiny. Verse 17 says that God did not invest his son to condemn the world, but that the world could be saved through him, saved from hell and saved from a life of vanity. Most people in the world are not living a life of purpose, but a life of vanity. He gave his son not for people to just miss hell 
but to live on earth a life of meaning, a life of joy and peace. Listen to John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and that's Satan. But here's what Jesus says. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That is the will of God. God invested his son so that the whole world could have life and life more abundantly. God is fully invested in the world, whether they receive his investment or not. Now, let me show you how super fully invested God is to those who have received his son, Jesus Christ. He has held nothing back. Religion has given my loving father a poor representation. When who he is and what he has done is in black and white for all to see. It is shameful what has been done when what is written is so clear. From the beginning of your life in Christ, God has made it very clear that he is fully invested in you living a life that is blessed with all the power and resources of heaven to help you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, listen to this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now to get how fully God is invested by sealing us with Holy Spirit, let's look at a real estate transaction. Earnest money put in a real estate transaction can range from 1% to 5% of the purchase price. If it's a new construction, it could be as high as 10%. The earnest money is to show the seller that the purchaser is serious about purchasing the property. In some cases, the purchaser can lose the earnest money deposit. Now, with that in mind, the earnest deposit God put down for you with more to come. Because remember, earnest money is just a small portion of what's more to come. The earnest money that God put down for you with more to come was Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. He is God. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, Jesus Christ, and then there's God Holy Spirit. So the earnest deposit that God put down for you was Holy Spirit. He gave his best up front. He fully invested in you. He gave his son for the world. And after believing in his son, he gave you a earnest deposit of Holy Spirit with more to come. He is fully invested in you. And what will Holy Spirit help you to do? Everything. Listen to Romans chapter six, verse four. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Talking about Jesus Christ. That like as Christ, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. By the same glory that raised Jesus from the dead, we live. Now, Romans 8.11 says that Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Now, get it. The first investment that God made in you after you believe was to give you the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to help you live this new life in Christ. He did not leave you to live it powerless on your own. Now, whether you are utilizing him or not, God has made the investment. He is fully invested. Power is available to you. 
You just have to learn how to release it. And this takes us to the next investment that God made in you. Listen to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That word power is really authority in the original writing. So Jesus was saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he said to us to go with this authority on earth and he goes on to heaven. So the Holy Spirit that he has invested in us is waiting for us to use the authority on earth he has invested in us and then he will release his power to put us over. This is why Jesus said the works that I do, you will do also because we have the Father God's investment of authority and Holy Spirit power, just like Jesus had when he walked the earth. What an investment God has made in us. Whether we're using it or not, this is what he has done. Now, if that's not enough, that was just the beginning. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ, by grace are we saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. God has so invested in us that he sees us sitting in heavenly places in Christ. Whether we see ourselves sitting there or not, he sees us that way. We are put in a place of royalty and power, and it said that God could show his exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And his investment keeps going. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. God has given us an inheritance and predestined us to a purpose. What's the inheritance? Listen to Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. God promised the whole world to Abraham's seed. Galatians 3.16 says that Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham, and we are one with him. So the whole world is ours. Whether we're taking advantage of the investment or not, God has invested the whole world into us. God is fully invested and it keeps going. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. How wealthy we are in the kingdom and most don't even know it. God has done something marvelous with Christ his son and most of the body of Christ does not even know what he has done because they don't read the book. They don't read the contract. They're taking in what some other men are saying 
who for themselves maybe are not spending a whole lot of time reading the contract. I don't know. I'm just reading you and I'm giving you what's in the book, what is clearly said in black and white and what God has invested in us. Listen to Hebrews chapter one, verses 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand. Now I'm going to continue, but I'm going to stop for a minute. Notice he said he didn't say to the angels, sit on my right hand, but he said it to Christ. And we read previously that we're seated at his right hand in Christ. So what a powerful position. You know, a lot of people are afraid of the devil and afraid of demons. Why would you be? They are fallen angels. And if, if you understand this verse, we're even in a better position than the angels that did not fall. Listen to the verse. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now, I've already shown you that those that are in Christ Jesus have inherited the, the earth. So it's talking about us. We are the heirs that the angels have been sent to minister for and on our behalf. In Psalms 103, verse 20, it says that the angels who excel in strength hearken unto the voice of God's word. But we have to speak God's word for them to go to work. If we don't speak, they have nothing to go to work on. So an army has been made available to us to hearken and bring to pass what we say. Now, with all that said, with all that God has invested in us, the question we have to ask ourselves, and I'm going to cover other things that he's invested in us, but right now the question is, how invested are we in him and what he has said he will do for us? You know, we read about the miracles in the Bible, but let's look at how invested those were who saw miracles at work in their life. How invested were they? I want you to listen to Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 is what I'm going to read, but let me set the stage. There was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and God had revealed to him in a dream that, you know, he was this great king and so forth. And after the uh, uh, understanding of the dream was given to him, he went off the deep end to a degree, and he made a statue, and he commanded everyone in the kingdom to bow down to this statue that he had made in image of himself. But there were three young men. Uh, scholars tell us that these were teenagers. These, these were young men, and they refused to bow down. They said they're going to worship the only true and living God. They don't bow down to a statue. So the king calls them, and, and here they are now. I'm going to pick up at verse 16. They answered the king because here's what the king had done. The king had set a decree that whoever didn't bow down would be thrown into a fiery furnace, and they would be burned alive. So here we are at verse 16, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knowing that the king has summoned him, here's what they say to the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful or afraid to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, that we will not bow down to your gods, nor serve or worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, after they said this, the king got upset. 
commanded them to turn the fire up hotter and took some of his most mighty men to throw them into the furnace. The fire was so hot that the men that threw them in got burned up themselves. But let's see what happened to these three young men. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I seen four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Now, I'm going to continue to read, but I've been saying that God's going to do some mighty works and this stuff going to be televised. You know, some people think that God just does miracles in church and all this. Not so. I want you to see what happened here. Verse 27. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Now, Look at how invested God was to rescue them out of this fire, to come in. There was a fourth man seen there. I believe it was an early appearance of Jesus Christ coming in there to make sure that that fire did not burn them. Nevertheless, they came out of the fire, not even smelling like smoke. So, yes, I've talked about how invested God is in us. But look how invested these young men were themselves how invested they were to put their life on the line. And as I mentioned, these were teenagers who were fully invested and look at the power, look what took place. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. This is the story. I'm going to set the stage. Paul and Silas had been preaching the gospel and the people in the town and the place they they were, were so upset about what was being taught. They called the authorities and they whipped them and threw them into prison. And that's where we are right here. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, more than likely in pain. They prayed and they sung praise unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Look at the power of God that showed up here for, for Paul and Silas. But they were they were invested. Look at how invested they were. They weren't complaining, but singing praise to God. This same Paul was told by prophets that if he went to Jerusalem, he would be bound and imprisoned. And Paul was so invested that he said to them, I'm not just willing to be in prison for what my God wants me to do. I'm willing to die if that's what it comes to. Now, We don't live in conditions like they did to be put in jail and killed for what we believe. But yet still, we should be fully invested, fully invested in God's purpose for our lives. If God so invested so much in us, we should invest back in his kingdom, invest our time, our resources, our commitment, our voice, our influence, and so forth. 
This generation needs to see the power of God. And as we take courageous stands or, and take courageous steps to do the will of God, God's power will show up and they'll know there is hope for their lives, hope that their dreams can come true, hope for the future. So how invested are you and how invested will you be in the days ahead? Now, I'm going to talk further about how much God has invested in us, but I want to park a little bit on this. How invested are we? How invested are we? to be willing to say, I believe this book of miracles. I believe that God is still the same today. I believe he could do the miraculous in the same manner that he did in the Bible. And you know, I found, this is just my experience, that not many people are willing to put all of their weight on the word of God, that either God comes through with the miraculous or they go down. It's unfortunate, but not many people that say they believe are that committed. You know, I've seen some things and I understand the battle. It's a challenge to believe God for the supernatural when everything on the outside is telling you this can't happen in the natural. And you know it can't happen in the natural. And you know you don't have the strength to bring bring it to pass, but yet you're trusting a supernatural God to move on your behalf. It takes commitment. It takes a commitment to say, you know what? I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what circumstances are saying to me. I believe that what God said about himself is true. I believe that what God said he would do for me in his word is true. And so therefore, come hell, come high water, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. Now that takes a commitment. So if you just committed to go to church on Sunday, you're not going to take those kind of stands. You know, if you really kind of halfway wondering whether this stuff is really real or not, you're probably not going to take those stands. But you can grow to that point. If you'll get to know the character of God and get to know his word and 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 take one step at a time. See, here's how God shows you his, his faithfulness. He starts being faithful in the little things you ask for in prayer. Then you ask for something maybe a little bigger in prayer, and he answers. And then all of a sudden, you're taking bigger steps and so forth. And on every level, you're finding that God is meeting you. So now when this big thing is in front of you, you've got an experience with God. So you can look back and say, you know what? He was faithful back there and all those other things. Hey, it's time for me to see him on a higher level. It's time for me to see his power on another level. So yes, this is a little more frightening than the other things that I was facing, but it's time for me to see him on another level. And I'm telling you over 40 years, he's never failed to meet me at the next level. And it's been frightening sometimes. I had to make some commitments. My flesh was kicking. Uh, many times I, would, I cried and I had tears and, and, and all kind of stuff was going on with my emotions. But God came through. He never failed and he never will. But you got to get to know his character for yourself before you start taking these kind of stands. But it's a process. It's a growing process. God is faithful. He has invested a lot into us. We'll talk about it further in episodes ahead, but God has made a serious investment in us beyond what the natural mind can comprehend because he is that kind of God. He is in another league. His love, his power, his joy, his peace is on a whole nother level, and we have the opportunity to experience that. And, and here's the beauty, to be able to help others to have the same experience because see the love of God is in us. And so God's love is not selfish. So you want to see others have the same experience that you're having. If you're satisfied with the experience, 
you're going to want to see them have the same one and it's available to them. So we have to let our light shine, do the things that we believe God wants us to do, and we will see his investment in us show up for all to see. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode. I was just-